Hello and welcome to The Planet Today, where we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy. It's Friday, June 23rd, 2023. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here with producer and co-host Nick Janusa. Nick, what is going on? Matt, not too much, my man. I'm hanging out. Uh, another week of just, just not great weather, so um, not too stoked on that. But you know what? There's an upside of life, and you got to find it somewhere. And have you found it with this episode that we're about to record? <laughs> I think I found it as as those words left my tongue. I found it somewhere. Sometimes our segues are great. Sometimes they are not. And uh, we'll leave it up to the listeners to decide how this one was. <laughs> that that was a 4.2. If I had to guess, that would be a 4.2. But I like it. 4.2 out of 5 then. Yeah, 4.2 out of 5. No, that's what I meant. Sorry, wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't I'm go sure out of 10. 4.2 out of 10. I'm used to letterbox ratings now. I'm I'm a full five-star guy. So, well, in that case, let's have a let's have a five-star episode. for our quick hits for the week and the first one is by oliver millman of the guardian who writes fears of hottest year on record as global temperatures spike june so far has seen global temperatures reach new records with this year's el nino putting us on pace for the hottest year ever copernicus which is the earth observation arm of the U- european union confirmed that there's been quote remarkable global warmth so far in june El Niños are naturally recurring climatic shifts that cause the Pacific Ocean and the world to heat up. So pairing that with the increased greenhouse gas emissions from the burning of fossil fuels, we are seeing an extreme year. Last week, Noah said that El Nino is here and will continue to get gradually stronger into next year. This means that this year will likely take 2016's title of hottest year on record. Michael Mann of the University of Pennsylvania said that that will probably be true for almost every El Nino year in the future, as long as we continue to burn fossil fuels, of course. And it's not just on land that this heat is being felt. Noah confirmed that for the second month in a row, record high ocean surface temperatures were observed in May. So the concerning thing for me here is that the last few years have been some of the hottest years on record, and those were during La Nina years when it's supposed to be cooler. So what we're seeing right now is like we're getting close to setting records on the off years. Yeah. So maybe this year isn't the hottest year on record. Maybe it's just close. The next few years probably will be. And the few years after that probably will be. You know, like Michael Mann said, we're probably going to continue to see these records get broken every single El Nino year. So this is more of just a a really, really concerning, to say the least, trend and not just a one-off year where, oh, like this is the hottest year on record. No, this is the hottest year on record so far. Yeah, it's like that Simpsons meme. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah dude, 2016's title is just is is out the window. I think it's either this year or, like you said, within the next two, three years. There's no question. We, we've noticed it globally uh, with a rise in temperatures. It's not just been one specific area. It hasn't been one specific you know area of the world. It's It's been throughout the world that mm-hmm. we've seen this warming. Um, so definitely concerning news and, uh, not fun, not great. 
No, and, and I want to highlight something that you had brought up. You said, you know, as long as we continue to burn fossil fuels, this trend is going to continue. Yeah. That's correct. And it's also important to note that if we were to stop tomorrow, you know, and I know we've made this point in the show before, so sorry if we're being repetitive, but that's kind of the nature of climate scientists. We just repeat stuff until it gets through to people's heads. Well known. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, like it's, it's going to the emissions rather the emissions from the burning of fossil fuels are going to stay in the atmosphere for hundreds or thousands of years. So even if yeah. we stop burning fossil fuels tomorrow, we're not going to see this decrease in temperatures until, you know, 2050, 2060. So that's why it's important to phase out fossil fuels as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. And here's a five-star segue for you right here. Our next story from PBS, <laughs> where Frank Jordans writes, UN chief says fossil fuels are incompatible with human survival. It calls for credible exit strategy. Yeah, the person who wrote the episode this week did an awesome job God. putting these stories back to back. Who was that? Was that Ralph this week? That was me this week. I'm just kidding. There's no Ralph on this show. Yeah, yet. If you're a Ralph, come apply. We could use uh, use some more writers. So um, I am just going to keep calling him this until he comes on a future episode of The Planet Today. But future friend of the podcast and Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, said that fossil fuel companies have betrayed future generations and undermined our efforts to phase out fossil fuels. While speaking at the end of a two-week talk in Bonn, Germany, in preparation for COP28 later this year, Guterres called for subsidies to be switched from fossil fuels to clean energy projects and to put a price on carbon emissions. While some fossil fuel execs have said that they can keep on producing if carbon capture is successful, Guterres said that that would just create more efficient, quote, planet wreckers. Guterres also pointed out how the oil and gas industry brought in $4 trillion last year, which is a record. And for every $1 they earned, only $0.04 cents combined went towards clean energy and carbon capture technologies. Guterres went as far as to say that fossil fuel emissions are not the problem. The problem is fossil fuels, period. He urged rich nations to commit to phasing out coal by 2030 and for the rest of the world to follow suit by 2040. At COP28, the UN Climate Office confirmed that all delegates will be required to disclose their affiliation so that fossil fuel companies cannot hide who is funding their potential influence. Yeah, so a couple things to touch on here. You know, the first one that I want to point out is the record profits brought in by oil companies last year, and only 4% of their earnings are going towards carbon capture or clean energy tech. You know, for, for some of those businesses, I'm looking at your your BPs, where they're saying that they're they're focusing on clean energy in the future. Or for Shell, which is focusing on carbon capture. Yeah. How much are you focusing on it if only four percent of your profits are going towards that? All while it's essentially corporate greed. It's price gouging. You know, like people felt that at the gas pump. People felt this in, in their home heating bills. But like gas prices were up how much last year? Yeah. You know, like all oh, yeah. across the U.S., gas prices were up while they're bringing in record profits. So it's it's not like it's not like this was something that was totally out of the oil and gas companies' hands. No, they raised the prices knowing that they could blame it on inflation, then bring in record profits for shareholders. So I, I don't feel bad when we have like oil and gas execs being like, oh, well, what's going to happen to my industry? You know, 
I, I don't feel bad for them. I feel bad for the workers. You know, I feel bad for the people who work on oil rigs, the people who work in coal mines. But those are people who, through the subsidies created for by like the Inflation Reduction Act, for example, that provides training for those workers to go work on wind turbines, to go work on solar arrays. Those are the people who I do feel bad for, and I'm glad that there's programs in effect to help them get clean energy jobs. I don't feel bad for for the CEO of Shell once fossil fuels eventually get phased out. Yeah, no question. And like these CEOs, they are literally getting paid millions and millions and their their salaries are only getting increased. Like the mm-hmm. CEO of Exxon last year, 10% increase, you know, like 52% increase the year before that. So like they're making their money. They're going to continue to make their money. And I love that Guterres just said planet wreckers. Mm-hmm. That is so blunt. It's so perfect. It's a great way to describe yeah. them. And uh, yeah, I, I just love that. I'm going to start using that planet wreckers. And, and it needs to be said, right? Like we always yeah. try to tiptoe the line of like, how do we balance, you know, like being fair to industry with being honest with the planet? And it's, you, you can't, No, you know, <laughs> like we can try to be fair to, to both sides if both sides are playing fair, but both sides are not playing fair where we have environmentalists saying, the planet's on fire. We need to do something or else we won't have a planet to save. And then you have the oil and gas industry just saying like, things are fine. We yeah. can just do carbon capture, even though it's not as efficient as it should be yet. Even though we aren't pouring as much money into it as we're claiming to, even though all it's going to do is allow us to emit more because we'll just take more out. Exactly. You, you know, like until both sides play fair, then we don't need to play fair when we're talking about this. Yeah. You know, we, we have to play it honestly instead of playing it fair to both sides. And by playing it honestly, you call them planet records. By, by playing it honestly, you say fossil fuel emissions aren't the problem. Fossil fuels are the problem, Yeah, like Guterres said. And I, I love that quote. And that's something that I wanted to highlight as well. He's incredible. Yeah, great, great guy. And uh, like I said at the start, gonna keep saying this until he comes on the show, future friend of the, pro- of the podcast. Yes, no question. Love him. All right, time for this week's environmental policy roundup. Switzerland's citizens have voted in favor of a bill that aims for the country to be net zero by 2050. Switzerland's iconic glaciers are melting quickly, and citizens have made it known that this is a top priority for them. The bill also sets aside $3.357 billion to help companies and homeowners phase out fossil fuels. Opponents of this bill worried about rising electricity costs, but this was largely seen as a win for the Alpine nation. European Parliament approved new rules that will require all rechargeable batteries in the EU to be user replaceable by 2027. The rules also cover design, production, and recycling of all rechargeable batteries in an effort to decrease electronic waste and to decrease costs to consumers. This will present the challenge for manufacturers who will now have to change their design strategies a bit. On Monday, President Biden announced over $600 million in climate investments to help coastal communities in the U.S. fight climate change. The investment focuses on fighting damage caused by sea level rise, storm surge, and tidal hurricanes. It also included $67 million in investments towards California's electric grid, which is heavily impacted by wildfires. I should mention for the who's going to pay for all this crowd that the U.S. military budget was $800 billion in 2021, which is $32 billion more than it was in 2020. So $600 million is really not that much in comparison. Yeah, no question. And I just want to touch on that. um, The first one, it's great that they uh, were able to get a vote for uh, net zero by 2050 because Switzerland is such a huge like 
tourist, they have such a massive, as with everyone in Europe, basically, but they have such a huge tourism sector. And like mm-hmm. for them, their nature and their, their natural beauty is, is one of the main pullers um, for people who are, who are looking to travel in that area. So yeah, this is, this is great that they're um, trying to protect their tourism sector and country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I, I'm also happy that, you know, they probably knew that two weeks from now, I guess two weeks and one day from now, I will be in Switzerland. And they were like, shoot, we can't pass this bill after Matt gets here. Like he needs to know he's going to a net zero country. So thank you, Swiss voters, for uh, welcoming me by passing this bill. Welcome, Matt Norden, right when you walk in. <laughs> we to the will airport. be net zero in 27 years. <laughs> That's so good. All right. As always, those three stories are in your show notes. If you want to read more, we are going to take a quick break and we got two more stories for you when we get back. Today's episode of The Planet Today is brought to you by Vala Alta. Vala Alta's Everyday Handkerchief is a high-performance, daily-use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact. Made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the material's historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties, handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying. Ideal for functional use in all settings, from the outdoors to routine encounters, their small and lightweight design makes one a must-carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A dot co and code TPT. Welcome back to the planet today, folks. Next up, this community lost 5 million gallons of clean drinkable water a day, all because of an abandoned golf course by Laurel Stell of Yahoo News. So we wanted to include this story this week because typically when we talk about the water crisis in the U.S., we're talking about the American West, you know, California, Nevada, Arizona, um, specifically, I know like we've talked about Phoenix on the show recently. Mm-hmm. It's not just those areas out in the American West that are feeling the water crisis. Jackson, Mississippi has experienced water contamination for years. And while the city needed clean drinking water, a leak in a water main at a golf course poured 5 million gallons per day into a nearby stream. The leak had been there since 2016 and could have supplied 50,000 people a day with water if it was fixed right away. Jackson residents often receive notices to boil their water because the tap water is not safe for drinking. Sometimes the taps don't even work at all. Residents usually stockpile clean water to prepare for this, but that's harder to do for lower income families. Experiencing clean water shortages while the equivalent of 50,000 people's drinking water just goes like down the toilet has got to be so infuriating. Like if you're mm-hmm. someone who's in that area, you have to pre- you have to like prepare you know, your water, you have to literally like, okay, it's good today. I got to get my, my tap on and, you know, fill up all my, my jugs I have here and, and then throw it in the fridge, whatever. That is so like, just not, not just inconvenient. It's something that we should just not have to do. It, it's, it's water insecurity 
at its at its finest. Yeah, and you know, for the richest country in the world to have these kind of problems, like that's the part that that really gets to me here is like we have the money federally to fix that. Yeah. You know, and, and in this case, you're talking about something that and, and sorry in advance for like the, the golf fans out there, golf courses shouldn't exist in, in certain areas. Like I don't know why golfing in Arizona is so popular. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sure there's people in Arizona who are like, Oh, it's so fun. Like, yeah, sure. But you don't have water for drinking in certain areas. So why is in this case in Mississippi, the equivalent of 50,000 people per day, why is their drinking water just getting flushed into a local stream? Yeah. And if it wasn't, you know, like if that was fixed right away, it would just be going to watering a golf course instead of diverting and, and being the drinking water source. So I think this also just kind of highlights like, I, I, I hate to say it, but like the wastefulness of something that's a huge part of American culture and, and international culture, really like golf, golf is a popular sport worldwide. Yeah, no question. And you could say the exact thing that you just said about the entire Southwest. Hmm. Like there are so many golf courses in the Southwest and like, they are fighting for water like crazy. So like, it is very confusing. Like now, now that the story has come to light, it is kind of like ridiculous that we're, we're just throwing water, like gallons of water at golf courses every day. Um, when there's people who literally don't even have enough to drink. So, and, and maybe it's easy for us to say, cause like, I'm not a big golfer. Like, I don't think you're really a big golfer either. No, I've been watching it a little bit here and there, but I'm not like a, I'm not like a go out and golf guy at all. Yeah. No. So, so maybe it's easy for us to say this because like we're not looking at the potential like benefits of, of playing golf. We're looking at it as like just from a strict water usage standpoint, it's pretty wasteful. Yeah. And specifically in the Southwest because like it, yeah. it's different. It's not like different, but it is in, you know, the Northeast or whatever, if, wherever there's not water insecurity. But when you're, mm-hmm. when we're focusing on the, or when we're praying that the Colorado River has enough to, enough water for people to drink. I don't know why we're throwing water at golf courses in the Southwest. Yeah. When, when Phoenix is saying that there's going to be no more development in the city because they can't afford, like they don't have the water allocation for new people and new industry to come in. Then why are we going to dump water into golf courses outside of Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah. No question. So I don't know. I mean, the good news here is that with the help of federal funding repairs are underway, starting with the colonial country club leak. So Hopefully, like I said, that gets, well, it's going to get repaired. Hopefully it also gets diverted and becomes a source of clean drinking water for people. Yeah, no question. All right. Our last quick hit of the week is titled a crocodile in Costa Rica had a virgin birth. Here's what that means by CNN's Jackie Waddles. The type of reproduction we're talking about here has happened in other animals, but this is the first virgin birth known of in crocodiles. The crocodile we're talking about had been living alone in a Costa Rican zoo for 16 years before laying eggs in 2018, and one of those eggs was found to contain a fetus, so zookeepers said there was almost no chance she had met with males. Normally, a clutch of eggs would be considered non-viable because they were not fertilized, but this was clear evidence of a virgin birth. Unfortunately, the egg never hatched and was deemed stillborn, but this was still a a virgin egg laying that had a baby in it. Yeah. So virgin births, also known as parthenogenesis, have happened before with birds, lizards, turtles, and sharks. 
They're typically not very healthy due to essentially being 100% inbred. Many of the documented cases of virgin births have also been discovered with animals in captivity. So there's reason to believe that other species may be able to do this as well. Dr. Warren Booth, co-author of the study on this crocodile birth, said that this type of birth cannot happen with mammals naturally due to what is required for fertilization. Yeah, and, and by saying that, you know, crocodiles don't have sex chromosomes, which is something I didn't realize, but that's that's the difference between a crocodile and a mammal. Um, so the egg may have formed the way it did due to the temperature of the water. Crocodiles famously develop into males or females based on water temperature during incubation, so their sex can actually change before development is complete. So this is super interesting and, and something to kind of highlight that, like you said earlier, it's the first one that we know of. These always happen in captivity because we just don't know in, in the wild, you know, whether or not they've come in contact with other animals of the same species. Right. In captivity, we can track that sort of thing. So this is the first one we know of. Who's to say this is the first one? Yeah, it's true. And it's something that you definitely don't think of. I've heard of sharks having uh, virgin births, but I've never mm-hmm. never heard of crocodiles. So I didn't even know that any other animals could do it. So that's it's pretty cool. Who's your favorite virgin birth of all time? Um, that's so hard. I think I'm gonna say Jesus Christ. Yeah, cop out answer. Mine's Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Damn, I didn't even think about him. God, you're such a Star Wars buff, though. That makes sense. Yeah, that's that's the difference between us. You're focused on the show. I'm focused on Star Wars <laughs> at all times. <laughs> uh, that's great. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of TPT. We will be back next Friday for another episode. Just a quick programmer's note or editor's note, I guess. I'm going to be away for the first two weeks of July and the last week of July. Um, so we are going to just take the entire month of July off. We're going to be releasing interviews in place of our usual Friday episodes. We'll have a lot to catch up on in August. Nick's going away one week in August. So we'll do an episode as an interview that Friday. Um, but yeah, August is going to be a lot of catch up from what we missed in July. We have some awesome, awesome interviews for you that I'm really excited for you to hear. So make sure you stay tuned and, um, yeah, let's have a, let's have a good month of July, but that's not until after next week. So Come back next Friday for our last quick hit, quick hits episode for an entire month. Wow, that's a long time without no quick hits. I mean, you guys gotta you gotta ration it out. Maybe maybe listen like ten minutes at a time, something like that. <laughs> Ration yourself through July. We uh, we haven't taken a break of more than two weeks since we started the show in 2021. So this is uh, no well deserved. I'm I'm happy that we get to do this. Yeah, agreed. But until next week, go give the show a five-star rating and review wherever you can. Follow our socials at Planet Today Pod and go show Nick some love with all the music that he makes for the show. And on his own, Nick, where can people do that? You can do that at soundcloud.com slash Cape, and that is B-U-D-L-Y-N-C-A-P-E. Go check me out, y'all. Our logo is made by Kaylee Veets. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we will catch you right here next Friday. Peace. Peace.